This is Way Family Church, and you're listening to our sermon podcast. We invite you to join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030. We meet at Lawford Middle School in Tucson, Arizona. For more information about who we are, upcoming events, or if you'd like to connect, visit us online at www.wayfamily.church. Now get your Bibles ready, and let's begin. Good morning, church. Hey, I am glad to be here today. I'm going to give, before I get started, and it's always dangerous when a preacher says this because, you know, you kind of like to go home someday, right? Uh, and so it's always scary. But I want to say thank you, okay? Multiple things to say thank you for. But, I, I, man, I mean, from the time that I hit the parking lot and got out of my car to the time that I got up here today, I have felt welcome and loved by your family, by this faith family. Okay, you take that for granted, but you shouldn't really. I was in a church um, recently, as of like last week, and it was multi-hundreds of people. I walked into the church, I walked out of the church without anybody saying hi to me. Okay, in an hour and a half, no one said a word to me other than the person, people that I shook hands with that I intentionally went up and, and spoke to. So, um, you know, I went... So I came in here, man. Everybody's like friendly, welcoming, take me to the coffee, trying to fatten me up with donuts. It's amazing. I love this place, man. Okay, so y'all are my people, and I appreciate you. You know, I appreciate you. Just, just giving you a little heads up. Pastor, thank you. Thank you for letting me come. Today I want to talk about missions, okay? We're going to talk about it's all about missions. You saw the video from the International Mission Board how that we as a network of people want to engage the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many of you have ever heard, repeated, memorized the claim or claim the promise of Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 which says, "And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus." We hear that all the time. We've we've seen it on mugs, and matter of fact, it may be on a mug that one of you get sometime over on the on the fifteenth of this month. Um, so it may be on a mug. It may be you know plastered on our walls at our home. It may be you know you've you've heard it said these things that God will supply all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus, and we take that as if it is some kind of isolated promise from outside the context of this. Of Philippians um, chapter 4 verses 10 through 20. This now now before we get in that okay um, we all believe that God really is a benevolent God who wants to take care of our needs. I think all of us would agree with that. Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 7 verses 9 through 11 these words who among you if asked him for bread will give him a stone. Or if asked for a fish, you'll give him a snake. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you good things to those who ask him? We worship a God who takes care of our needs. He provides for us. But the question is, if I'm going to believe that God really wants to supply all and meet all my needs according to the riches of glory, I have to ask myself, is this a promise for every believer or is it a promise for just certain believers? Is a problem a promise for every church? Or is it a promise for just certain type of churches? Let's read it in the context, okay? Philippians chapter, um, chapter 4, beginning with verse 10. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord 
that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it's like to be in plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except for you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I was looking for your gift, but I am looking for, for what may be credited to your account. I received full payment. And even more, I am amply supplied now that I receive from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are fragrant offerings, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches, glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To God the Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's how he ends that chapter. Well, if we are to believe and answer the question of whether God wants to supply to all my needs, the answer, I believe, is in verse 15, where he says, Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel that I sent out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except for you. I want to propose to you today that if I want God to meet all of my needs in, according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, that I have to pattern my life and the churches that I'm part of um, uh, to pattern their lives after the Philippian church. So what did the Philippian church have that God was a willing to, to just kind of supply all their needs in Christ Jesus? If you look at this passage, it was because they were a missional church. Now back then it was real easy to determine whether or not you were a missional church. There weren't that many missionaries. Okay, there just weren't that many. I mean, you had Paul, Silas, you had the apostles, you know, you had uh, Barnabas, Mark, Timothy, um, you, you had a few guys. And so it really wasn't that hard for Paul to go, you know what, this church helped me when well, no church wouldn't. It was pretty easy to do. Now, I'm sure you're well or well of it, as, as Pastor said earlier, y'all are still a church plant. Y'all are still young as a church, only a year old, just barely a year old. Okay, there are 460 churches meeting today all over our state that believe in you and that give to help you every month. You receive support from the tithes and the offerings of Baptist people in 460 Southern Baptist churches all over this state. We believe in you. We're excited about you. And not just 460 Southern Baptist churches in Arizona, but 46,000 churches that are scattered across our country. All of us give to missions so that we can start churches in underserved areas, much like Tucson. And so we're very thankful, and, and, and not just, you know, support uh, financially every month so you can, guys can, you know, help take care of the pastor and, and other things, but when you guys have events, when you guys have evangelism efforts, when you want to reach the community, you know, we help give you finances in order to do that as well. Why? Because we as a people are very missional people, and we believe in you. We believe in you, and I'm excited that you're here. Really, I am. So, 
God does meet the needs of those Christians who are meeting needs. Let me give you other words this. God has decided to give generously to us so that it can flow through us. That's what he's done. It's, called, it's an open-handed versus a closed fist, right? God cannot bless you and bless us as a church with a closed fist. It's hard to grab a hold of stuff with a closed fist, isn't it? It's much easier to pour blessing upon you with an open hand. So this verse 19 is in the context of missional investment. Now, how will we do, now if we look at this passage, there are a few things that we can discover about this church that we can take home today. One is, is that great mission-giving churches have a concern for others. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but not had an opportunity to show it. Now, the word renewed in this passage also can mean revived. So, this, in other words, this, this is not their first rodeo, okay? They have been part of being missional before and have not had the opportunity to revive that, okay? Matter of fact, he says, that what are they reviving? He goes, they're reviving your concern. In other words, you're to set one's mind on being missional. Being missional people isn't a one-time decision. Being a missional people is an ongoing decision. It's a decision that no matter what, we're going to sacrifice for the, so that other people can hear the gospel. It is a consistent commitment to the mission for the glory of God. That's what it means. Now, you and I are never going to give to missions if we don't first have a concern for others because concern facilitates opportunities. If we as a church do not have concern for others, we'll find ourselves overlooking opportunities to have that concern for others. Let me give you an illustration, okay? You're going to see it throughout this Christmas season, right? You're going to go to Walmart or wherever you're going to go, right? And there's going to be somebody, uh, uh, some kind of uh, table out there, right, trying to get you to give to whatever thing they want you to give to, right? And you're going to walk into Walmart, and, and these people are hoping they can either get you going in or get you coming out. And for somehow, somehow, you're in Walmart for that 30 minutes, and then you come out and you walk past that table as if it's somehow in the bread aisle, you became blind, right? Don't, don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about, all right? that you're more spiritual than me. It's amazing how fast I can walk between that door and my car, okay? It's amazing how fast it can happen. Why? Because I really don't care about supporting the spotted toad, okay, or something like that. I don't care. I really don't. I don't have a concern for that. And to be honest with you, most of those kind of booths, I don't have a concern for, except for the Girl Scout cookie booth. <gasps> Amen? The most beautiful time of the year is the Girl Scout cookie booth. <gasps> Again, y'all look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about, but you know what I'm talking about. Okay? The Philippians church cared about the gospel and who would receive it. Because that's what Jesus' people do. Jesus' people are concerned about what Jesus was concerned about. And what was Jesus concerned about? Well, he says it. In Luke 19.10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So what is Jesus' concern? Jesus' concern is the lostness. 
The world's biggest problem, my friends, is not politics. The world's biggest problem is not uh, military conflict. The world's biggest problem isn't disease and famine. The world's greatest problem is lostness. If you change lostness, all these other things are fixed. All these other things are fixed. Now, our network of churches is partnering with Sub-Saharan Africa as an as a Arizona mission network. We've decided to, to, to partner with Sub-Saharan Africa. Why? Because Sub-Saharan Africa almost has 50,000 people a day born. There's 17 of the top 20 countries with the highest birth rate in the world are in Sub-Saharan Africa. And over 20,000 people in that area die every day. In 2050, more than 1 in 10 people in the world will live in Sub-Saharan Africa. And catch this, the median age for that, of those people, is 17 years old. That's where the youth of the world are gathered, is in Sub-Saharan Africa. We do not have a, a personnel, a missionary personnel, in 17 of the 43 countries which make up Sub-Saharan Africa. So we believe that it is our responsibility to go to that region, share the gospel, raise up leaders, and guess what? Maybe God's even calling some of you to be missionaries, whether it be short term, six months, a year, two years, or maybe even make a career to, to be missionaries in sub-Saharan Africa. God may be calling you. Why? Because we have a concern for those who don't know Jesus yet. And like all of the other churches that were not mentioned in verse 15, it's very easy to, to really, we can lose the concern for those that are lost. I mean, really think about it. It's really easy to lose concern. Because we go through life so quickly, we don't even think about it. It's not that we want people to go to a devil's hell. We just don't think about it, right? We just don't even think about it. And from time to time, we need to have a renewal in our concern for the lost. And the best pay, place to have that renewal for those that are lost is by being involved in missions. About not just giving to missions, but going on mission. Being missional. And when you actually invest in people's lives, it gives you more of a fervor and a fervor and a fervor for those who don't know Jesus yet. A great mission church, secondly... Uh, great, mission, uh, great mission giving churches find their contentment in the Lord. Verses 11 through 13. Look at it again. It says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I are, I'm in. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it's like to be in plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And I can do everything through Christ." Who gives me strength. If we're not going to give to missions until we find commitment, that our, our contentment, pardon me, is in the Lord. Discontented Christians and discontented churches never become great mission givers. You and I will always have needs. This church will always, always have needs. Always. But God does not limit participation in missions to just those Christians or those churches that don't have needs. You know what you call a Christian who doesn't have needs? 
absent from the body is in the presence of the Lord. Okay, that's what it's called, right? Okay, as long as you're here, you're going to have needs. It's just reality. My church, I pastored um, my church for 22 years. Okay, I came up there in 1996 when I was young and good looking. Okay, and uh, something happened over the years. I don't know what happened. I got older and not so good looking. But anyway, uh, so uh, man, we were going, we were going good, reaching people, being missional, very intentional about mission giving, very intentional about it. 2008 came. Some of y'all been around long enough to remember what 2008 was. Okay, it was the it was it was worse than what the economy is now. All of a sudden, uh, literally, the housing market just crashed. It died. Um, in Phoenix proper, before 2008, there were only 5,000 houses on the market, and as soon as 2008 came, there were 50,000 houses on the market. It was a glut of of homes. Prices went just. <clears throat> just fell, okay? Because of that, people lost their jobs. A lot of people lost their jobs. People in our church that were making really good money were not making good money anymore. We looked at our budget and said, okay, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Again, every church has needs. We looked at our missions giving, and our church was giving quite a bit to missions. And we said, you know what? You know what? Right now, we need to take care of ourselves instead of taking care of the world. And we began to think about it and pray about it. And we came across this verse. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. It's in the context of missions and about being missional. And I said, you know what? We can't afford to stop giving because if we stop giving, God can't give to us. And to be honest with you, we're too broke not to give. Okay? That was our idea. My, my, and so we decided, no, we're not going to stop giving. We're just going to continue supporting the church plants still supporting international missions, still being part of the cooperative program. We're still going to do all that stuff. My secretary comes to me one, one, uh, one Monday, and she says, hey, I got good news, and I got bad news. Now, I'm a positive person. By nature, I'm a positive person. I said, well, give me the good news. She goes, the good news is I was able to pay all of our bills. It's always good news when you pay your bills. Amen. And I said, all right, praise God, we can pay our bills. I mean, I thought that's what we're supposed to do, but thank you for telling me that. And I said, well, then what's the bad news? The bad news is we got $35.87 left in the bank. That was undesignated. We had some designated funds, but you don't touch that stuff, right? You don't, that's designated money. That's, people gave for a reason that, that fund. And so I said, well, huh, that's not good. I went to my staff, said, let's pray, ask God to take care of it. Later on that day, I get a phone call from a friend of mine named Jake Starr. Jake actually owned Glendale Air Park. Um, evidently, you, can own, you can't own the, the airstrip because that's federal, but you can own everything around it, and he owned everything around it. And Jake's one of those guys, he, was a, he flew sorties in Vietnam. He was a man's man, a man's man's man, okay? Um, he was that kind of guy. He's not a very needy guy. He never really called you unless he needed something. And he called me, he goes, Pastor, can we go to Starbucks? And I'll be honest with you, at the time, I didn't like Starbucks. I didn't like coffee. But if Jake said, hey, you want to hang out? Yeah, man, let's hang out. And so Jake, I said, let's go. So we go to Starbucks. I tried my best to try to enjoy um, a Fufu coffee. Kid not, you know, paid astronomical amount of money for a foo-foo coffee. You know what I'm talking about. You go, come on, man. Eight dollars? Come on, man. It's coffee. But anyway, so we're sitting there hanging out, and Jake says, says, I don't know, Pastor, if you ever, I don't know if you know this or not, but I sold Glendale Air Park. I go, no, dude. 
congratulations. I know you've been, like, looking forward to retirement and, you know, that. She goes, yeah. I goes, I'm pretty excited about it. Here's my question. Do I pay my tithe off the gross or the net? And I'll be honest with you, at the time, it hit me just weird. I couldn't think of which one was the highest. <laughs> I mean, I really couldn't. I mean, I hate saying it. This is my carnal nature. I went, crud, which one's the higher, the gross or the net? I don't know. And so I said to Jake, I said, man, you know what? I trust you. You love the Lord. It's whatever the Father's told you to do. That's what you're to do. I thought that was a good spiritual answer, right? He goes, pastor, he goes, I thought you'd say that. I want to give him my first check. And he slides the envelope over to me, and I open it up. It's $100,000. Okay? I start laughing. Okay? I'm, first, I've never seen a $100,000 check. I didn't know there was that many zeros in the world. Right? I mean, I'm going, what? I don't, is this like $1,000? No, what? Like a, no. There's, like, there's like zeros and commas on this thing, you know? And I'm going, wow. And I said, I start laughing. I go, Jake, you won't believe it. Then this morning, Treasury comes in and says, we got like $35.34 or something like that. We got no money whatsoever. I said, we prayed and said, Lord, you got to take care of this. Somehow you got to take care of this. And you come and you took care of this, man. God led you to take care of this. And he starts crying. My man's man's friend flew sorties in Vietnam. Starts crying in front of me. He goes, Pastor, God told me to give this to you a couple weeks ago, and I just haven't had time. I'm sorry to put you through that. And I said, no, man, God knew exactly the timing that needed to happen for this. I really believe in all my heart of hearts that the reason why the Father took care of us, not just that year, but for the next four years, for the next four years after that, he gave us $50,000 a year. That's what kept us afloat. That's what we were in deficit of. He never even told his wife. At his funeral, I told that story. His wife's on the front row going, <laughs> I go, you didn't know it? She goes, no, I didn't know. I said, well, thank you. <laughs> Your estate blessed us. You know, that kind of thing. I really believe in all my heart of hearts, if we would have said, nah, we're going to use God's, we're going to use this other money just for ourselves, instead of being missional, that that would just dried up. It wouldn't have happened. God decided to take care of us because we were willing to have a concern for those that were lost, and we had a contentment in the Lord. Contentment, my friends, is never about what happens inside of us. It's all, I mean, outside of us. Contentment is all about what happens inside of us. That's why Paul says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That's why he said it. Because I've learned to be content in all things. It's okay. Paul knew what it was like to be in need and what it was like to be in plenty. And to be honest, compared to the vast majority of the world, you here today are in plenty. I got on the World Wide Web, and these statistics have to be true because they're on the World Wide Web. I mean, everything on the web is true, right? So, the average house, household income, okay, the, the, the median household income in Tucson is $60,667. Okay? That means, um, that's the median. That means um, half of are lower, half of them are higher. But the median is $60,667. And if you fall in that range, you are in the richest 3.3% of the world's population. 
and we think we ain't got nothing. If we were to wait until we think we have plenty to be a mission-giving church, we'll never get there because we always think that we have needs. A mission, strong mission-giving church, great mission-giving church, has our contentment in the Lord. But there is also the third quality of a great mission church is that mission-giving churches have a credit with the Lord because he says, not that I am looking for a gift, for I am looking for I can be accredited to your account. Now I receive in full payment even more. I have been amply supplied, and now I've received from Epaphroditus the gift that you sent. They are, and this week says, he says, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches. Glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Churches that have a credit with the Lord are those churches that participate in missions. And every one of us have an account with the Lord. And the Lord pays attention. The Lord pays attention. And when we participate in missions, when I decide that I'm going to give over and above my tithe and offerings to give to missions for the purpose of sharing the gospel all over the world, what does it do? Well, our mission, he says that our, our mission is three things. It's, it's a fragrant offering. It's a, it's a fragrant offering. It smells good to the Lord. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? I mean, don't you love that? I mean, good smells? Surely you saw it on Thursday. You went into, you know, you woke up and went, somebody's making rolls, cinnamon rolls. That's what happened on my house. My wife's making cinnamon rolls. It's a beautiful smell, right? It's a, it's a, a fragrant offering that goes up to the nostrils of God. It's pleasing. Your giving is an acceptable sacrifice. These people were giving um, out of their poverty. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, this church gave out of their poverty. They didn't have a lot. They didn't have hardly anything. But they gave out of their poverty. And it was an acceptable sacrifice. Giving is a spiritual exercise. And our giving is also pleasing to God. In the, in the parable of the talents, Jesus says to two of the three good stewards, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. It is pleasing to God when we give, when we're sacrificial. But the fourth and final quality about mission-giving churches is they exist to see God glorified. Verse 20 says, For our God and Father, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, how do you bring glory to God? By spreading the name and the fame of Jesus here in Tucson, in Arizona, in our country, and yes, in the world. That's how we bring glory and share the glory of God. We give to missions and ministries because we want to see Jesus glorified. And we want to make his name great. And not just right now, but for generations to come. One of the reasons why we're here today, starting, you're starting this church, is not just for us. I'm 59 years old. You're looking at me and going, really? You look so much younger than that. Okay? I'm 59 years old. I mean, I'm, I'm not middle-aged unless I plan on living to 120. 
And if according to my 401k, I can live to about 87 and three quarters. <laughs> That's about it, all right? So I'm not going around forever, okay? The reason why we start churches, the reason why we're missional, my friends, is to make his name great to these ladies' generation, right? So these young ladies, when they grow up and they find some snotty-nosed boy to start hanging out with, eventually, eventually, they, they say yes, and they get married, and then they have other kids, right? That's why we're doing this. Is so the glory of God will be great, not just for now, but forever and ever and ever and ever. What you're doing here is going to have ripple effects for eternity. Generational and generational. And that's why we give. That's why we're mission-giving people. It's because not because of what we can get out of it, but for the glory of God, not just now, but forever and ever and ever. That's why we give. That's why we give to the church. Not just to pay the bills, but it is good to pay the bills. But so that the glory of God will be spread in this community, in our city, in our state, in our country, and praise God to the uttermost parts of the world. You want to claim the promise that God will supply all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus? You got to be like this. You got to. If you're like this, God says, son, I want to give to you. Sister, I, 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 daughter, I love you. I want to help you. I want to give to you. But you're not letting me let me bless you. Allow me to do it. Have faith in me that I'm going to take care of all your needs. May not take care of all your wants. Okay? You may not get that pontoon boat. Okay? I'm not, I say that because I went out my door today, and for some reason there's a pontoon boat right, in my, right across the street. I'm going, I guess my neighbor's got a new pontoon boat. Okay? So it may not be that God's providing you with a pontoon boat. But God's taking care of your needs according to his glorious riches that never runs out in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that it's all about missions and that you've called us, Father, to be missional. Father, to be missional here at this church by giving faithfully our tithes and offerings. My Father, giving extra from time to time to help reach those who do not know you yet. Father, help this church to be known as a great mission-giving, participating, going, sending church. When people think of this church, they think the Father of generosity and of life-giving. Father, help us not to have a closed fist, but Father, an open hand. So that, Father, you can use us as a vessel to bless the nations. Thank you, Father, for your grace in our lives your glory in our lives, your forgiveness in our lives. And we don't take that for granted. Because of what you've done for us, we, Father, want to help with other people. It's in your name we give you praise and glory. Amen. Amen. Pastor.